0: You are listening to Committed, an ongoing conversation about marriage, intimacy, relationships, and sex.
1: Say that again for the microphone.
0: I said, they can hear me eating chocolate, and I don't care because this is good shit. The chocolate is good shit, but what you're talking about is good.
1: It's good shit. So, so Mm -hmm. for our listeners, what happened was... Yesterday, I was talking with my girlfriend and she had some serious childhood trauma that she's addressing now with EMDR and therapy. And I said something that was just, it was inappropriate. It was a very short little thing I said. It was only a few words. And as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I said, I'm so sorry about what I just said. I didn't mean it that way. And uh, she had to go. She was home. We were on FaceTime, Um, you know, nine o'clock at night for me, she's on the East Coast. I'm in California. She was texting me saying how uh, she was sad. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sad as well. I'm sorry about what I said. It didn't come out right. And then she sent me some like purses and blankets that she's looking at shopping for. And I was like, okay. And I went to sleep about 10 minutes later because I'm an old man now and I go to sleep at like 9, 9.30 and woke up at 12.30 to pee. And there were 40 messages on my phone she was saying things like, I fucking hate you, you're a loser, um, a pathetic liar, I'm very angry at you, you know how sensitive I am. When she gets when she gets angry, she says ad hominem things to me. It doesn't bother me because I don't believe any of what she's saying, but I understand that she's very upset. And um, I wrote back like, hey, I just woke up to pee, I'll, we'll talk in the morning, that was it. Apparently, she was still awake and... Uh, For the next three hours, she was texting me more horrible things. She's like, why did you silence me? Why aren't you talking to me? Um, She tried to call me a few times, but I keep my phone in the living room when I sleep. So I had no idea any of this was going on. Wake up in the morning. I have to run to take a friend to the airport and go to the doctor at first light. So I'm out the door and I'm like, I'm not going to respond to her right now. I'm a a little rushed, I'm upset. I don't wanna just say something without having time to think through it. So an hour or two later, she texts me. She's like, you're still not talking, what's wrong with you? And then eventually we FaceTime and we spend an hour talking through it. And uh, she's super upset at me. I'm able to calm her down. I tell her very clearly like 12 times, I apologize for what I said. I did not mean to harm you. I'm not trying to offend you. It just came out the wrong way and I'm super sorry eventually she calms down. But one thing I say is, um, uh, I'm not going to tolerate what you said because what she said was very ad hominem. Like it's, if she's upset at what happened, I understand that. And I understand her feelings are hurt, but personally, I don't think that gives her the right to say nasty ad hominem things to me. Um, Like You're a loser or you're a liar or whatever she tries to do to shame me. Now, again, it doesn't bother me in the sense because I don't believe any of what she says. I'm not a loser. I'm not a liar. I know who I am. And this is the way that she lashes out at me when she's triggered. And part of me is like, I just don't want to deal with this anymore. And she countered and said, I am totally within my right to say these things to you. Like I'm totally within my right to say nasty things to you when I'm upset. And I'm like, okay. And then she had to run to a therapy session, and and I'm just right now I'm thinking about is this is this worth this worth this struggle anymore for this relationship? Um, some being with someone who suffered from intense childhood trauma, and I, I'm not going to say her name or anything like that, but childhood sexual trauma. Um, I've been with a few women like this, and it's just really, really it's difficult. It's, it's emotionally draining to be with someone who's heavily traumatized um, from their very early ages. And like everyone suffers trauma, of course, like you and I both suffer trauma, like, you know, parent dying or a divorce, like we all go through trauma, but I think a lot of us learn to like eventually get over it. But specifically childhood sexual trauma is something I've come across numerous times in the last few years. And it is incredibly deep, Uh, And this happens before these, in these case, women are under, you know, they're age three to six, three to seven. You're in those very, very early developmental years. And this trauma just goes really, really deep inside them. And, um, you know, personally, I'm not sure if I want to stay with this anymore. I'm thinking through this right now. Like, is the juice worth the squeeze? Like, I do love her very much and she loves me, but um, you know we're not in a fully committed relationship living together we don't have children or anything like that like is this worth staying with any longer is it worth dealing with this um and i'm really starting to lean towards no and uh for me this is partially a boundaries discussion as well like you can get angry at me all you want but again you say ad hominem things to me like that like it's it's we're coming to an end real fast here Um, so that's something where this is happening in real time. Like as of today, as we're recording this, I don't know what we're talking about on this episode, but we're doing it live and, um, yeah, that's, that's on my mind right now.
0: Thank you for sharing. I'm glad that you were willing to hit record because I think that Yeah, this is something that I think that a lot of people can actually relate to. It's something that I can relate to. something that's extremely pertinent in relationships. I think that you are not wrong in stating that lots of people experience childhood trauma. Um, Some people don't even recognize that what they've experienced is childhood trauma because lots of us grow up thinking, well, this is just the way that I am. And so, but i what i what I really want to focus on is the process of how to respond to your partner in these situations where something is sensitive and then it turns into a trigger for them. And I think that lots of people need this. And it's actually something that I heavily focus on in my practice, because we now live in a culture. And I don't know how long it's been that we've lived in this culture, but we live in a relationship culture where people are labeling their relationships as toxic. They are labeling their partners, as we talked about in one of our previous episodes, as having mental health disorders. People are ad hoc labeling their partners with mental health disorders. That is completely inappropriate if you are not a licensed mental health professional or you are not a mental health professional, even if you are unlicensed, but you do your own research into what the DSM actually says, but you also need to know what you're looking at as well. So I would caution against people who haven't been trained in this. So I just want to put that as a little caveat because I get nervous about people labeling their partners. One time someone had said to me that, their therapist had diagnosed me with something, and I've never met their therapist before. And that is not uh, ethical. A therapist really would not do that. So that's also something to kind of keep in mind. But because many of us struggle in our interpersonal relationships, because of the way that we learn to do relationship with people, In our childhood and the way that our attachment has been developed, lots of us struggle. And so what do we do in these situations where our partner is sensitive and then they become triggered because that can happen and does happen in your situation? I want to use it as an example, if that's okay. Sure.
1: Yeah. And let me also just clarify what I've been doing, what I was doing. We'll go into my example, but I do want to clarify what I'm. Are I you was defending doing yourself right now? No, no. I I didn't mention okay. this part.
0: Don't do that. Okay.
1: Something I believe we learned in somatica, but uh, you know she's exploding. She's very emotional, and she will admit that uh, she's exploding on me. She's super angry, and I'm just cool, calm. And now what I'm doing is I'm I'm meeting her where she is. I understand she's angry. I'm listening. I'm empathizing with her. I'm not yelling. I'm not getting angry. I need to hear her out. And, you know, I remember my training. Just stay cool. Stay calm. Listen. Listen to what she has to say. Understand where she is, where she's coming from. Empathize with her situation as best you can. And then, you know, think about my response. That's what I did today.
0: Yes. And that can be completely invalidating when someone is triggered. So when someone comes to you with an issue and you're like, okay, you have an issue right now, I care about this, tell me more about it, I want to hear, then you understand and you go through these steps of repair, right, that we learned, right? This person comes to you, right? So let's go through this. Your partner comes to you, they have an issue, you say, okay, this is important. Let's sit down, right? And it doesn't seem ideal for a lot of people in many situations. You're like at the airport with your entire family and your wife's like, I can't believe you didn't get me orange soda when you went to that restaurant. Yeah, you're in the middle of the airport. That's really hard, right? So I get that this is an ideal situation, but find a time that you can do this because it's important. Your partner has an issue. You say, this is important. Let's sit down. I want you to tell me everything. Okay, you sit down. Your partner tells you everything and you say, what else? And they say, well, and then they tell you what else. And you say, okay, this is what you just said to me. And they say, "Uh, pretty much, but then there's one other part that you left out and then they tell you the one other part and you say, okay, here's the one part that I left out and they say, yes, you got it. Or they tell you the whole thing, and then they and then you say, this is what I heard. And they say, absolutely not. I don't think you got it. And so you say, okay, I didn't get it. Just try it. Tell me again. And then they tell you again. And you go back and forth until you get it. And then they share their understanding of that until they're successful by your standards. And then you own your part of it. Which we call that somatica copying to it. You own your part of it. Okay, this is what I could have done. This is where I went wrong. This is what I should work on and do better. And then there's acceptance of that. And then, you know, in summary, you you conclude, you may need to wait a day, you may need to wait a week. You may need to be go, you may be able to go into it right away, but then the other person can share their problem that they had and you can kind of go back and forth. Now, in my experience, this works in certain circumstances and certain situations. And I think it's a very, very important tool. And I do teach this tool to my clients. When we are talking to people who have been traumatized and invalidated at a base level for a long time. You need to do more and harder work. It's very important. With your girlfriend who shall not be named, she experienced, in my perspective of your story, abandonment from you. And so I also first want to clarify for you, Michael, also for anyone listening, this is no blame game. There's no right or wrong. This is very challenging. And I say this to my couples all the time. This is extremely challenging to do. This is hard work that you have to be committed to doing. I am so lucky that my husband is committed to doing this work because he is starting to realize who he married. Challenging, (laughs) okay? Relationships take lots of work and effort. When you're in relationship with someone who has been heavily traumatized You as a partner have a role that cannot be matched by anyone else. And when she came to you with her issue, just the apology and the empathy could almost feel belittling. Like, you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That just wasn't good, right? It doesn't necessarily take away the process that is about to happen that you saw ensue so after that. Because in traumatized individuals, they can go to a place that you're like, eyes are wide. Or you're like, wait, 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 wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's happening? Like you see it coming, like it's a tsunami and you're like, holy shit. And so it's really important to not abandon them. In that moment. And to, and and where it gets challenging is where one partner gets triggered. And then by what they're saying or doing, then therefore triggers the other partner. So that's like another conversation. And I think we should just do a whole nother podcast on that. What to do when both people are triggered now. But let's focus on when one person is triggered because what you're saying, it sounds like is that you were not triggered in that moment. You were like, oh, what's going on? This is crazy. Your coping mechanism in this, and your particular instance, you live across the country from this person, so you are not, but if you were there, I would have you go and sit down in a chair on the couch, on the bed, and just not say anything. Like, okay, I'm just going to be here. I caution partners, it is extremely important to really get to know your partner to a deep, deep level. I want you to know what their triggers are to the best of your ability. I want you to understand their childhood trauma, how that manifests into their daily life, their daily functioning, their personality, their conflict strategy, their attachment style. I want partners to know what their partner's talking to their therapist about, I want you to be working on relationship skills with that partner continuously and trying to figure out how to be a better partner to your partner every day because relationships take so much work and so much effort. In that moment, I could imagine she felt very invalidated. You're like, got to take care of myself, phone on, do not disturb, Going to bed. You must understand that I'm just going to bed right now. But to her, you weren't going to bed. You were you were going into a black room and closing the door and locking it with like five deadbolts and saying, "You're fucked," and I will be back when I have the capacity to do so. As a partner in relationship, and in your relationship, maybe this is fine that you can do that because this is the type of relationship. Personally, my husband could not do that to me. Like I would. You
1: you live in the same house too. We live in the same
0: house, yeah. I I,
1: I do think, I want to give myself a little bit of credit here because it's difficult to always tell what someone is thinking. I can't read minds and text messages makes it even harder because I can't fully understand what she's thinking 3,000 So for your
0: situation though, immediately calling, immediately FaceTiming actually would be even better, right? So yes, you will as a partner, you will lose sleep because of your commitment to that relationship, it's almost like it's really hard because in, our, in social media today, social media is obviously a huge one because it's just everywhere. It's just in your face. There's so many different types of social media that you can use. It's like you need to be good with yourself. You need to learn your own coping mechanisms. You need to regulate yourself um you need to have self care like i just heard a psychiatrist talking about how um our she was talking about how advertisements are very narcissistic uh, she was listening to some kind of commercial that was saying like you deserve this this you know a- and it's like in relationship there's obviously this balance of completely giving up your whole self for your partner which is codependence which is inherently selfish anyways and being completely independent and just just self-serving there's obviously this middle ground that we have to be in and when we have a partner who's going through a crisis if we have the capacity to do so and if we don't have the capacity we need to figure out how to help that partner get someone who has the capacity in that moment if we can but we need to give ourselves to our partners and say, mm. like, if our partner goes into their inner child, you are mine. I am not going anywhere right now. You could be as angry with me as you want to be, and I deserve it. That's okay. I will take it. I, If I can manage myself in that moment, I want my partners in my couples, my clients to be there for each other because... Lots of trauma is about being abandoned, whether you're physically abandoned, whether you're emotionally abandoned, whether you have to abandon yourself in order to cope with what you're dealing with. And it's like complete powerlessness. Like I have no power over what's happening. So when someone gets triggered, they are feeling so unsafe in that moment. And the smallest thing that probably caused this huge blow up, it triggered something deeper for her. And so to really focus on, I want to reestablish safety here, right? And so to then go on to say, you know, okay, so I'm going away because I got to go to bed. And then when I come back, I'm going to tell you about how everything that you said is just completely unacceptable. And you, you can only come back to me when essentially you could talk to me like an adult, I hear what you're saying and I totally wish that that would work. I just don't see that working at all. I've never seen it happen. And so while I don't want to invalidate your desire to have your partner speak to you in a respectful way, what they're going through in that moment doesn't add up, right? They're feeling completely abandoned. And so in order to protect themselves, they're going to completely invalidate you, in order to try to establish some type of safety or protection for themselves in that moment. And so, you know, because we were talking about borderline personality disorder, it is really horrifically sad. when If someone is actually diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, they've gone through a significant amount of trauma to get to that place where they were so invalidated, abandoned, neglected, um, traumatized, abused, like, all I feel for that person is compassion, right? And when they go into if you experience your partner, and this is for our audience, like you experience your partner going into that different state, and you're still feeling in your adult body, like you're not triggered, you're not going into your childlike body in that moment in your experience, remain the adult. You know, if you're if my kids are freaking out, the last thing that's gonna work to say to them is like, get your shit together don't talk to me like that. I'm like, whoa, okay. Big feelings are happening here. Before we we do anything in that situation, their bodies need to feel more calm. I can't go into this explaining thing of like, I know you're freaking out, but I need you to use this methodology to actually talk it out with me. They're not going to be able to do that. Our partners are not going to be able to do that either. And so I all the time talk on my TikTok about productivity. And I'm like, you can either have productivity in your relationship or you can keep going along on your process, hoping that it's going to yield a different result. Now, can you get together with a partner who is less traumatized and this happens less of the time or or not at all? Um, you can, but like do... Does anyone here find any value in me as a person? I mean, it's just like the thing is that partners who are more secure than their other partner, like it, it's it's basically people can heal if you're if you're mostly secure in yourself and you have a partner that's really struggling, you can pull them into secure attachment over time. It is dependent upon your skills and abilities. And so if you're just like, I don't, you know, this, this partner is like cool and everything, but I don't see the value in doing the work. I just want to do something easier. Well, you know, there's a couple things. Maybe you can move on to another partner who's more secure in themselves. Also, if you keep attracting these types of partners, maybe it's saying something to you about yourself. Maybe there's something about you that keeps doing that, Right. And if you have the wherewithal to do it, could you pull them into security by learning the necessary relationship skills in order to do relationship better and make them feel safe? Because a lot of the time, these partners who have maladaptive strategies for coping when they're feeling dysregulated are extremely intelligent, extremely beautiful people. And I'm not just saying physically beautiful, they may be physically beautiful, But like they may be spiritually and emotionally and psychologically beautiful people that have lots and lots to offer to this world. And so do you want to just, you know, let them go? Like I look at, like I am one of those traumatized individuals and I also have a lot to bring to this world. I have wonderful friendships. I have wonderful family members. I give back to my community. To say, oh, well, in conflict, you know, when Taya feels abandoned, she gets dysregulated. Um, I'm just going to, you know what, I'm just going to move on and find someone else. You know, chances are you could attract the same thing. You could attract something different. Pick your poison. Every relationship's going to have problems. So if this is something that you're struggling with, there's an opportunity. And I think it depends how... You know, badly you want a healthy relationship. It's never gonna, it's never gonna do anything negative to you to learn additional relationship skills and make your partner feel more safe.
1: Am I correct? And and I told her this earlier today. This is great, by the way. Thank you. Um, this is like a real time session right here, almost Especially. on the air. I think overall my score was pretty good on how my response was. I give myself like a B. Maybe b plus, um but I didn't i I was the adult. I kind of just held the space for her. I think where i I failed was um acknowledging her last night, you know, when I woke up in the middle of the morning to pee and I saw all these text messages. She really wanted me to respond, and she told me this. she told me exactly what upset her. She said, "I was up all night. I wanted you to respond and say, "I'm so sorry for what I said." I apologize. You mean the world to me at the end, and the And, you know, and, uh, I'm sorry. We'll make a, we'll talk tomorrow morning. She wanted me to say that. And my, this is where I definitely failed. My response, my thought was, I'm going back to sleep. I'm not going to respond to this right now because I am barely awake and this doesn't make, I won't, I won't respond correctly. So that's probably where I failed. Um, uh like you said though she is a beautiful woman she's got a lot of beautiful characteristics like she's got a great energy to her so she does have her trauma that's very very intense but she's got a lot to offer so i think that's a great point in terms of like what should i consider just because she's traumatized doesn't mean that you know it's over you can certainly deal with it
0: it also could be fairly simple too to like pull people into the secure space It's almost like sometimes we get frustrated and we're like, you know what? Like I'm having this vision like, okay, my daughter's having a meltdown. And I'm like, you know what? That type of behavior is just not okay. So you come back to me when you're in better behavior and then we'll talk about this like two adults. What the fuck? She's five. She's not an adult. She's not going to come back like two adults. And when I have ignored her behavior, because that is a strategy, right? And I would recommend if anybody listening has children, go to Dr. Becky. Um, I can't remember what her last name is, but she is a child psychologist and she's excellent for working with children. She has excellent strategies. I have personally heard my daughter say to me, don't walk away from me, listen to me, you're not paying attention to me. Because there have been times when I'm like, I'm not engaging with this behavior, right? And when it's about I want a cookie, let's say, this is like such a classic example. I want a cookie before dinner, right? Like I want a piece of candy or something like that. I'm going to ignore this. I'm going to ignore this behavior and then she'll eventually stop. But here's my problem with that she then internalizes the fact that I don't care about what she cares about at all. Like, it's just not my problem. It's her own problem to deal with. And then I'm teaching her that I'm actually not gonna teach her. I'm not gonna teach her how to deal with it. We're not gonna talk about what it looks like. How many children, even in fairly healthy homes or even very healthy homes, have parents who do that, who just, they're, in va- they're, like, they're not there. They're le- neglecting their role as a parent and so I try my very best to say to my children, you really wanted that cookie, didn't you? Oh, it would have tasted so good if you had that. We, I can set healthy boundaries if we can't have that cookie before dinner. And I know how hard that must be. And I know this sounds sort of stupid to say because we're talking about a cookie, but it's really exemplifying a strategy. And so when our partner's freaking out about something that's, very real to them, and it seems small to us, the last thing that I want you to do is be like, this is stupid. It's a small thing. You're always complaining. I'm not engaging with this behavior. Come back when you are going to act like an adult. But here's the problem. They were never taught a healthy coping mechanism to deal with what they're going through right now. And now you are the person that's there for them and with them. And you can say, hey, you know what? You need a therapist. You need to go see your therapist about that because that's not my job. It it is your job. Sorry.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that. That's what I want. I forgot what I was gonna ask you. That was it. That was I it. I yeah, no, I mean that's something that I, I really want to bring up on the pod because as her partner, I don't feel like I should be her therapist. Like I'm not qualified to be a therapist. I'm happy to listen. But I don't know, I mean, you and I have had a lot of like education on this subject. So I think I'm probably better than your average male on the subject. Mm -hmm. And I'm basically a therapist to a half dozen of my friends, but I am not qualified to be a therapist. And I feel, I'm not sure if it's expected or acceptable in any partnership for the other person to be a therapist. And what are your thoughts on that subject?
0: Yeah, it's not expected. You know what my therapist is doing with me when I'm sitting with her and what I'm doing for my clients? I'm like, oh my gosh, that would suck to be you. That's completely valid. Of course you would get upset about that. My therapist just said it to me. Oh my gosh, I'd be so mad if that happened. I can't tell you how many other people. That's so human. If you plan something out, she said to me, and you put all this work and effort and then your partner just sits there and is like, I don't want to do that. Well, most people would be extremely upset about that. So, yeah, you don't need to be a qualified therapist to be there for your partner. And your relationship with your partner and your role in that partnership is more important than their part, their relationship with their therapist. Because now your relationship is a little bit of a caveat, right? You have a, li- a different structure of your relationship. It's different, you know. There's some thought that her primary partner could actually be that person or whatever, but. In a relationship where you have a primary partner, whether the relationship is open or not, but let's say it's just a monogamous relationship, your partner, that attachment with your partner mimics that attachment that you had with your parent. And so you are the most important person. And for those people out there who just don't feel like being that important to their partners, don't be in the relationship because you are so extremely important in your partner moving into security and trusting you and being safe with you. If you live with that person and you coexist together, yeah, they need you. They need you. And and I need I need my husband. Like I have been in moments where I've said very mean things to him and he is in his adult body and he sits there and and he, you know, As a human, there are times when he does respond and react to those things because it's because how could you not when someone's saying something mean to you? But as much as you can, because we're focusing today on when your partner is still in their adult body, I'm not saying sit there and take it, right? Because I think, you know, the other thing that comes to mind before we end, because we don't want to make these episodes too long, of course, is like there are people online that I hear about, they're like their partner's abusing them, right? Because they're just verbally abusing them. They're never considering their partner. They're completely invalidating their partner when their partner's upset about something, and then their partner flips the fuck out, and then that person is like, you abuse me. And it's like, um you know what? They came to you with a problem. They actually came to you calmly the first time. You invalidated them, so they got a little bit more upset. Then you invalidated them again. Then you told them they were acting like a child. Then you told them that they need to go see their therapist. And each level, they got higher and higher escalated. But what would have happened if you said, oh boy, I'm not understanding this. I I do care about it, but I'm not getting it. Maybe, can we talk it? eight when the kids go to bed and just sit down and maybe you can try to explain it to me because I want to get it, but I don't get it. If you are in your adult body, that is what I want you to do because you will immediately deescalate the situation for your partner. Your partner's like, oh, I'm not alone, not alone. But people feel so alone when you're just like, that's not a problem that that you shouldn't even be mad about that. You always get mad. You always have complaints it is so it brings people back to the time when they actually needed something a lot of times for survival and their parent or caregiver was like i'm not available for you
1: yeah or actively working against you
0: act yeah actively working against you which is you know it's just as bad right i don't even want to say worse it's just as bad as that and and like a lot of um you know the thought behind this is like you can have an initial trauma and sometimes what's worse than that initial trauma is the non-response from the person who was supposed to protect you and be there for you and advocate for you so say you've experienced some type of abuse physical emotional abuse and by a by one of the parents let's say A lot of the time, that secondary trauma is much more impactful by the parent who didn't do anything about it. They are like, that sucks, or that didn't happen, or no follow-up, right? It's like, don't be that partner, and you have an opportunity.
1: Okay. This is great. Thank you. Everything you said actually really resonates. She explicitly said about an hour ago, I am you know, that person for her, that safety, that security, and that I basically abandoned her. I didn't acknowledge what she was going through. Mm. This is like absolutely everything you're saying. And when she's traumatized, she acts like a child. She acts like a little five-year-old, four-year-old. So now it's all making sense when they're in a traumatized state, like they're not in their adult body. They're re-going through some of their early childhood trauma. I'm going to talk to her in the next 15 minutes what do I do next? Um, let me just review, I see if I pass the test. I will be that partner. I will be that security. I'm gonna be there for her, I'm gonna hold the space. And if she says, you're an asshole, you're a loser, I'm just gonna absorb it. I know she's in a traumatized state right now. This isn't about me holding my boundaries. This is just, okay, let her, let her get it off, be there for her. That's what she needs most, more than anything else. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Essentially like I I may not have done that right and I realize it could have made things worse. And I'm so sorry. And I just I want you to tell me all about it. Just tell me about it. I'm sorry. And I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna work to do better.
1: Awesome. All right. I'm gonna call her as soon as we're done recording and we'll see how it goes. But thank you, Taya. This has been a wonderful in the <laughs> trenches with Taya podcast. This is a real life exercise going on with Michael, so We'll see where we go from here.